Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. In the interest of Superhero Sunday, every year I pray and I, I dwell on, you know, what angle can I take on Palm Sunday this time? And I've done a number of different angles. This one is a little more obvious. I just couldn't get it out of my head. At home, my, my son wanted to watch, as you can see, Spider-Man. He's got the Spider-Man outfit. He wanted to watch the new Spider-Man. It's called um, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. And I don't know if you've seen the previews for this, but it's crazy. Like, I did not want to watch it. It looks like psychedelic. It looks like, you know, some type of mind journey. I'm like, I- I'm not into that, son. He forced us to watch it on Family Night, and so we did. We watched it on Family Night, and man, he was awesome. If, I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you know anything about Spider-Man, it is worth watching. What a great message about heroism and expectations and responsibility. You need to watch that episode. But after that, I couldn't get it out of my head. And I tried so many different sermons, but I just couldn't get away from this one. And so this sermon is based in Spider-Man. Pastor Sean, what do you mean? Our sermons need to be based in the Bible. They're based in Scripture. Last time I checked, Jesus preached about farming. He preached about water and storms, fishing. He used lots of examples. And so we're going to try to do the same thing. So if you haven't seen Spider-Man in a while, I'm going to introduce you to Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben was Spider-Man's mentor. His father, uh, Spider-Man's father, Pete, had passed away, and Uncle Ben was basically taking care of him and trying to be a father figure. And there's a pivotal scene in all the Spider-Mans where, where this message is conveyed to him, and I want to share it with you right now and get into the Word. Amen? Amen. Let's take a look at Uncle Ben. You got to turn the volume up. To ask him anything. I don't know. I just don't know anymore. Hey, well. going to the downtown library. I'll see you later. Oh, yeah, wait, Pete. I'll, uh, I'll drive you there, buddy. Oh, no, I'll take the train. No, no, no. I need the exercise. Go on. Go, 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 go. Thanks for the ride, Uncle Oh, no, wait a minute, Peter. We, uh, we need to talk. Well, we can talk later. Well, we can talk now, if you let me. What do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your Aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You, you have all those weird experiments in, in, your, in your room. You, you start fights at school. We I don't didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Well, you yourself, didn't you? What was I supposed to do? Run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away. But, Pete, look, you're changing. I know I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter. These are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. comes great responsibility. If you don't know how to talk to your children, if you think you're out of the generation that they're in, this is a great example of how to corner your child and have a conversation with them. Thank you, Uncle Ben, for that. And notice how he said, we're all changing. 
careful who we're changing into. What a great message Spider-Man is. But it's captivated that one great point. With great power comes great responsibility. This is not a quote that came from JFK, which many believe. It's not a quote that actually even originated just in Spider-Man. I mean, the physical words and the order they're in did, yes. But make no mistake, this comes from the Word of God. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. This is Spider-Man. This is the message of a superhero. Jesus Christ was our superhero, and he sat down to share a story with us about what it means to have superpowers. So I want you to read along with me. The where we're going to turn to now is Luke chapter 10. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it. It's about halfway through. It's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke, it's right there. It's the third one. Spin your book to chapter 10. And we're going to read just the first couple verses here. I'm just going to start reading and read down until I stop. You can bring the lights on so I can see because I too am getting a little older here. Make it a little brighter. Yeah. Okay, when you're there, say amen. Uh-oh. I mean, some of you guys got iPhones. It should have took you like three seconds to get there. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Okay. So here's the story. Jesus is about to share with his friends, his disciples, an important mission. So it starts in verse 10, verse 1. Now the Lord, this is Jesus, he chose 72 other disciples, other friends, and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he had planned to visit. It's the same story I told the little kids, but we're going to do the adult version. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. Don't take any money, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. There's a mission for you to do. Verse 5. When you enter someone's home, first say, and we should all consider this, may God's peace be on this home. If those who live in that home are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Verse 8. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show you we have abandoned you to your own fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. And I assure you, even the wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town as this on Judgment Day. Oh, yeah, you can skip ahead to verse 16. Then he said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Anyone who rejects you, well, they're rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me 
is rejecting God who sent me. Disciples went out, and they did exactly what Jesus Christ instructed them. Seventy-two. Thirty-six pairs went out, and they started sharing the gospel, going to homes, knocking on doors. They laid hands on people, and they were healed. Many miracles happened. They came back to Jesus Christ. In verse 17, they said this. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully, say joyfully. That means they were excited like these little kids. They were pumped up. They were all, they were amazed. They couldn't wait to share their stories. They're like, oh my goodness, Jesus. I didn't say, oh my God, back then. I mean, I'm sure they didn't, right? They were like, oh my Lord, Jesus. Guess what happened? Like everything you said came true. They said, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Before I say one more word, let me tell you this right now. Regardless of what's going on in your life or at home, use the name of Jesus Christ. Use it with all its authority and power in your home, in your bedroom, in your place of business where things are going and attacking against you. You say the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says when we lift his name up, the devil scatters. Jesus basically says, duh. Yeah, uh-huh, I know this. But he then says, he gets kind of really excited. Like he's like, you know, like me, dancing with the kids. Like, I'm excited. I'm with you. And the kid's like, this is so exciting. And they're like, ah, oh, this is great. We're worshiping. And as a pastor, I can't be like, kids, kids. This, it's like not even the beginning of it. Like, this is just scratching the surface of worship. Like, there's so much more. Guess what God's going to do? They can't understand all that. So I dance with them. That's what happens right now. This is what Jesus says. Yeah, I see it, disciples. You're excited about what God can do. You're excited. I literally saw Satan fall from heaven like light. He's talking about Satan when he was an angel. He was a chief musician. He had lots of other angels worshiping God. And when God put him out, he fell from heaven like a lightning bolt. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk amongst stakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. I could end the sermon right there, and you'd be like, yep, I get it, Superhero Sunday. Rock on, Pastor Sean. But it doesn't end there. The next verse is the basis for this entire sermon, and it'll be a short one. Verse 20. But do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I give you glory and honor and praise this morning. Father God, we, mm. Father God, if you don't do another thing in our lives, if you don't say another word to us, if you don't hear another soul, Father God, if you don't speak to us and move in us one more time, if you do not, I will continue to serve you from this day to the day where I have no more breath. Father God, you have given your life for us in Jesus Christ. And because of that, Lord, we've accepted it, acknowledged it, and our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life today. 
Father, I hope you look down amongst this congregation of believers, the family amongst us, and I hope you look at every soul we see, and I hope, Lord, you triple-check their names, and if there's a name in this congregation right now that's not written in your book, I pray your Holy Spirit begins to speak to them right here, right now, and says, get your life right with me because I have something in store for you, and it is so much better than what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, amen. Amen. So I think you see where I'm going with this. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Church, make no mistake. You have access to unlimited This isn't a self-help, new age fanatic. What I am talking about is a book that has told the testament of time, centuries and centuries. It remains true. And God is not a man that he should lie. And in this word, it begins to speak to us to the authority and access to power that we have through one and one name only, and that is of Jesus Christ. In essence, we all have heroic superpowers. I mean, go back to the scripture for a second. Go back to the story. Imagine in your mind. Imagine if you were one of the 72. That means you hadn't been in a Pentecostal service before. You hadn't sung a fancy worship service and felt somebody tingle. You know, you did all body tingling. You, you haven't felt the Holy Spirit speak to you. You haven't fell out in the power of God. You haven't seen somebody healed at a hospital yet. None of that has happened. You're merely talking to some prophet who's, who's giving you some fancy words. And he says, go and speak my name and people will be healed. Go and lay your hands on the sick and they'll be healed. Imagine, imagine you going to the first person you know that has cancer. And you walk up to them and say, sit, don't rise. You put your hand on their head and you say, in Jesus' name, be healed of cancer. Amen. And they're healed instantly. I mean, is that a pipe dream? Imagine, imagine you have a friend who is wrought with some type of, I don't know, skin disease, skin ailment that's visible and obvious. And he or she has to wear clothes to cover up and she or he or she is embarrassed to go out and, and they take all this medicine, but none of it works. In fact, it's just gotten worse over the years. And you walk up to this person, you put your hand right on their arms or his arms, and you say, in Jesus' name, be healed. And you open your eyes and you look and you can literally watch the boils or the rashes and the irritation disappear. What about laying your hand on somebody in their deathbed, not given the rest of the day? There's a a mother and a wife in our congregation who's given very limited time. There's a baby who was born who was given just about nine months to live in our congregation. When you pray for that little baby, when you pray for that family, do you really believe that God can intervene? I do. Imagine coming into a home that you know is possessed with demons Maybe it's so obvious, like it's, it's a poltergeist situation. Or maybe it's less obvious. Maybe it's the grip of some type of emotional or mental oppression or addiction or something so awful that they, they, they can't possibly break it in their own power. And you go in there and you say, in Jesus' name, the spirits go! And the house is cleansed immediately. 
This is what we're talking about. This is what happened back then in Scripture. You have tremendous power. And Jesus Christ is like, yeah, 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 I know. I saw it. I watched Satan fall himself. Satan thinks he's got some dominion, some control over earth here. It's, it's but a clock that's ticking down. His, his seconds are limited. And between now and then, he gets defeated every time we use the name of Jesus Christ and invoke his power. But make no mistake, it ain't easy. The Bible actually says right here, Jesus Christ is sending us out as lambs among wolves. I didn't say superheroes make it look easy. But every superhero has a nemesis they come in contact with, a kryptonite they have to deal with. Ours is the world. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's keep going. The next verse I want to point out today says, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. I'm sure if you exercised an exorcism and it was filmed and the person was relieved of the spirit, everyone would be like, wow, that's amazing. And you'd be all excited, like, wow, well, I didn't know I could do that. Jesus Christ says, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Would you truly serve God today if he doesn't do a single thing for you from this day forward? God has saved your soul from the depths of hell. He has put you on a path and a plan to accomplish more than you ever could on your own simply because you've accepted Jesus Christ and your name is written in that book. And it's not just a name, you know, Ellis Island, right? It's a report with your name and all the amazing things that God has in store for you, church. And you know what's not in that book? All of your sin. Because when you offer to open your heart to Jesus Christ. The Bible says your sin is as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. And in its place, he puts a new plan for you, one that is good, one that is for your future, one that is for your hope. Are you following me yet? Look, I don't think you are, because when I thought about it, I didn't quite get it either. I searched the internet and tried to find somebody who could put it in better words than I could. I found somebody. Um, his name is a young guy, younger than me. His name is uh, Marshall Siegel. He's actually written a bunch of really amazing books. And he said this, what is the greater miracle? That the spirit removed a demon from another person's body through you or that he removed you out of hell? Deep inside our pride-filled hearts, we want to believe the latter is not really that hard. We know we need help, but we think of ourselves more as a, a remodel than an abandoned foreclosure. It's more appealing to our pride to marvel at what wonders God does through our efforts in ministry than what he does for us, despite our weak and sinful efforts. He then says, that broken mentality is at the bottom of why I might find my ministry for Jesus more exhilarating than Jesus's ministry to me. There are so many people in church today who are involved in ministry and come to church and you want to feel something from God and get charged up for your ministry. 
so you can go and do the works that God has called you to do. And in most cases, if you're doing ministry, anything like the ministry you do around Kingsway, a lot of that ministry is mundane tasks, things like picking up food and cleaning up the lobby and making a schedule and doing a meeting and, and figuring out a policy or fixing the computer or practicing a talent. And outside of recognizing what Jesus has done for you, that can become very mundane. And Jesus Christ is reminding you today, just like he reminded the disciples, don't get all excited about what's happening in your ministry. He knows that's going to happen. You didn't do it. He did it. But if you get a little bit excited about your ministry, you better get a lot excited about what God has already done for you. How can you possibly show excitement to someone else unless you understand what God has done for you? We get it mixed up. We get it twisted. In fact, what it said back here in the, in the first verse of chapter 10 is it said, hey, don't go out to the highways and byways and compel them to come in. It didn't start there. It didn't say that. It said the laborers are few and pray for more laborers. The first thing we should be doing is praying for more laborers. That is what he wants us to do. And then we go out and join them. There are many laborers sitting here today because Jesus Christ has done something in your heart. And this message is about me inspiring you of a great responsibility that you have because with great power comes great responsibility. He has saved you from the depths of hell. He has given you a power. What do you intend to do with it? Who are you growing into? The problem with ministry, and the reason I'm hammering this is a lot of you are in ministry right here at Kingsway. The problem with ministry is it can quickly become something where you are more in love with the attention that you get than the love of Jesus Christ in your life. We have to refocus all of ourselves every day, every week, on what God has already done in our life. And out of that comes the ministry. And Jesus Christ said it right here. Be more excited that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life than anything he does through you. Amen? Okay. I'm closing out here. I got one more verse. Because this is where the superpowers really come to roost. Luke 10.2. The harvest is great, but the workers are... The workers are... The workers are... It's the truth, church. 10% of the church does anything... In the church, that statistic, that's what it is. 90% of the church comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes. That's not that way at Kingsway Christian Center. I cannot share enough with you how thankful I am that you get it. More than half of Kingsway is involved in active ministry. It's unheard of. Thank you for being a part of Kingsway Christian Center. But it's not enough. We need to pray for more. So... Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. I'm, I'm going to try to set an imagery up to make sure you can get a hold of what this message is all about. This is the harvest field. This is what he was talking about. If it was you, me or Lee and we were told we got to go out there and we got to harvest that, it would take us months with no tools and just our hands, in the heat of the day, it'd be almost impossible. We'd have to get help. We'd have to ask for help. And even if we didn't get help, we'd have to start because until we start it, we can never get it done. Is it hard? Yes. 
Does it feel like we're lambs among wolves in there, ready for danger, unprotected, ready to be attacked? That's what it feels like going into the world and doing what you are called to do. What are you called to do? You see, Jesus Christ is making it so plain. Your greatest superpower that you have as a Christian isn't the ability to heal one another. It isn't the ability to cast out demons. It isn't the ability to walk on water or call down the Holy Ghost. Your greatest ability, your greatest superpower that you have as a born-again Christian who knows the love of Jesus Christ is to share that message with one another. When you share that message, you create an opportunity for somebody to have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. You have access to immense power, but the most powerful gift that you have is one that many of us never use. And in fact, if you're not a Christian, you can't even use it. So of all the people in the world, we shrink down to only the Christians who, who have the power, and then we shrink down to a smaller group of the Christians who actually choose to use their superpower and share with one another about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Is it hard? Yes. Will Jesus give you power? Yes. If we don't do it, is it neglect? Yes. Too much is given. Much is required. With great power comes great responsibility. When I hear this verse, I usually thought it had to do with money. If you have more money, more is required for you to do things with that money. As you get more skills and talents, as you get those, you need to use them in the church. As you get more credentials, you need to have a bigger ministry. The more that you have, more, more, more that you have, more is required. That's what I thought it meant. And then I realized after going through these scriptures and studying again, what you were given is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The next verse says, to those who are entrusted with much, you are committed, you are required to share it. You need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ any way you can and with any method that works for you, I don't care as long as his name is being honored. And for that, I want to share this story. A missionary to Africa, she told the story of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Though she was blind and she could neither read nor write, yet she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. She went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible, and she asked it in French. When she got the Bible, she asked the missionary, can you find John 3.16 for me? Can you open to that page? Can you underline it? Can you mark it so that she could find it? The missionary was curious, did what she said, found the French Bible, underlined John 3.16, marked the page with a paper clip, gave the Bible to a blind, illiterate, brand new Christian and said, off you go. That afternoon, just before the local elementary school let out, she made her way to the front door. As the boys came out, when the school was dismissed, she would stop one and she would ask the little fella, do you know how to read in French? Of course, they would say. And she would ask them, could you read this verse to me that's marked in red with the paper clip on it? They would fumble through the Bible, open it up, and they would read it. Then she would say, do you know what this means? And she would there, humbly, 
without an education, without a qualification, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That missionary was responsible for 24 of the schoolboys who all became pastors. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.